0: better way to do this Let me show you a way you don't have to be, Hi folks this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast As always one man's view of the changing world the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, March the 31st, 2021, and this is episode 2847 of the Survival Podcast. We have a rare event today, an interview. That's not rare. happens almost every Wednesday. Every once in a while there's a week where there's two of them. It can't be that rare if it happens one in five times, 20%. 20% is not rare. No, what makes this interview rare... Because this is one of those rare times where I see a person that I think is so important that you hear from that I go get them. I almost never go to somebody and say, hey, I want you on the show. I don't do that. We stay booked three to four months out. Uh, People apply to be on the show. And I think it works better that way most of the time. Every once in a while, I find somebody. I'm like, that person I want talking to my audience. This person, you've heard his name before. If you listen to the show, you just haven't heard from him directly here. His name is Dr. Judson Somerville, and he wrote the book that I've been touting for over a year now called The Optimal Dose about vitamin D3, which I believe has already saved innumerable lives and improved innumerable lives. And I believe that his work is incredibly important. It certainly is relevant to the current uh, government-demic they call COVID-19 pandemic, the government-demic, but it is an illness. It is a disease, and it can be something that can be pretty much wiped out with vitamin D3, but not the 800 I use that you're told to take. Like something crazy, like somewhere between 10,000 and 30,000 I use a D3 per day per person. Won't kill you. It won't turn your liver into a, uh, to a calcium brick. Uh, it actually is safe. He's been doing this 11 years, worked with thousands of patients, never had a case of hypercalcemia yet, never had an overdose case yet, right? I mean – there's a point where you stop believing what you're told with appeal to authority fallacies and you start believing data and science and real world information. And that's where we need to be with D3. And I'm going to tell you guys, you're going to hear a lot about this today, but I'm going to be doing more on D3 in the future myself because I believe that this is one of the two primary things that destroy lives in the world today in, relative to, in reference to health. It is diet and it is D3, and that you are tightly linked, as you'll hear today. And I believe that D3, in the right dosage, with the right protocols, can even help people with things that we, we think of as being incurable, like multiple sclerosis. We'll even talk about that a little bit today. We'll give you some references and some things that you can go get more information from. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about finding a doctor that's open to things like this. But I'm going to tell you right now, what you're going to hear today it's not just important because we have a pandemic, which we really have an endemic right now, by the way. It's not a pandemic anymore. It's bullshit. Um, but if there was no COVID-19, I would still have him on. The other side of that, though, is without COVID-19, I might not have found him. It was my quest to give you everything I could so that you could live your life boldly instead of in fear of a damn thing that's good, that amounts to mostly a bad cold. And so I found his book, I read his book, and I was like, this is a guy we need to have on. It took me a year. It took me a year to finally find a way, and I got to him through, of all things, LinkedIn. And as soon as I actually got a message through to him, boom, got him on the show. So we'll have him for you in just a moment. I will say real quick that I don't know if he had like a speaking engagement, because the last two days I've been there, guys, right? But his voice has some crackliness to it, like it starts out strong and fades and each time he talks. I didn't ask him about it. I don't want to dig into that. Just it's not a... Um, It's not a technical audio problem, and I appreciate him powering through this interview. So there might be some points where you're like, man, his voice is a little off. Guys, when you're in demand as a speaker, let me tell you, it happens. I've proven it over the years. Anyway, before I bring him on, I want to start out with a quote of the day. And I am probably going to just butcher this name because this gentleman is Indian, as in the Indian subcontinent, Uh, not a North American uh, indigenous uh, type folk. his name is, I'm going to do the best I can, Jadu Krishnamati, right? He said one time, and I think this fits our, our discussion very perfectly today, it is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. I think that we think of the Western world today as being a healthy society. In general, we're healthy. Oh, there's fat people and there's sick people, but we're so much healthier than our forefathers were. Like, you know, when, when, in the late 1700s when the revolution was about, people just fell over dead all the time for no reason, you know? Average life expectancy was like five or something. Like, th- this is nonsense. This is nonsense. We, we live in a society where we have some things going for us that people of that time did not. And it results in less zeros and very low single-digit deaths like death and childhood. Those are, we have, most people have a roof over our head and reasonable climate control. Like we're not going to get rained on. We don't have rats living in our houses, etc. So we don't have open sewage going through our streets. We have access to clean water and sufficient calories for food. Not good food, but sufficient calories for food. Even the poorest among us can easily get the amount of calories that they need on a daily basis for very little money, and we do have some modern medicine that allows us to live with chronic illnesses rather than to, to cure them. I don't know if you know this. Here's an example. I don't know the name of the drug. I can't remember it right now. But if you get type 2 diabetes, you become extremely obese. You can get to the point where your body is basically out of fat cells. They're all full, and there's no more fat cells. And there's a drug... That we have developed, that if you give it to a person in that condition, it will cause their body to make more fat cells so they have something to do with the excess fat and it will save their life temporarily. Okay, It is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. That is not a cure. That's not a drug that should even exist There is nobody that needs that drug. What they need is to not be so obese that they're out of fat cells. And I know some of you are thinking, he's he's gone off the deep end now, the Jack has. He has. He's gone crazy. He's a little bit over the edge. That's not a thing. Yes, it is. And I know this way, way before even TSP is where I know this from. I know this from a talk by a, a doctor a very long time ago talking about health and nutrition. It would have been at least, at least five years before the first edition of TSP, and it might have been a little bit longer if I really think about it. A drug that makes you fatter to keep you alive. It is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. So what we have done is we've gotten really good at keeping sick people alive instead of getting people well. And one of the chronic things that's causing this to be ongoing is a massive deficiency in vitamin D3. And you're going to even hear today kind of a reference to and i'll tell you that since i already did the interview i checked it out about the inuit and i always you know kind of thought you know wait a minute like these guys stay bundled up most of the year they live through long periods of darkness like but they were until we modernized them right and fixed all their problems they were a dramatically healthy society so how did they get their d3 uh whale blubber and seal blubber incredibly high so they adapted to their climate, and their ethnicity, and their D3 capability in their their diet. Well, I don't know if you checked, but there's not a lot of whale blubber for sale at Kroger, and so we're going to have to get our D3 another way, and supplementation is probably the best way to do that, to talk about all of these things and more. I'd like to introduce now Dr. Judson Somerville. He's a seventh-generation Texan who is a lifelong learner with a passion to find the truth. He started out in the field of engineering, so he's more on following things through to solutions rather than doing what you're told. And thank thank God for that, because I believe what you're about to hear can help you live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. And with that, Dr. Somerville, welcome to the Survival Podcast.
1: Hey, thank you very much, Jack. I really appreciate it.
0: I have you on today to talk about D3. Um, I was blown away when I found your book. I always knew it was important. I, I didn't even know that it was actually a hormone instead of a vitamin until last year. Uh, and I want to go deep into that subject, but for, cause your, your, your background is also pretty fascinating, like how you came through med school and all and, and ended up where you are with this. Do you give people a kind of the elevator speech? Who is Dr. Somerville and, and how'd you get into medicine in the first place?
1: Oh, God. Um, yeah, well, there's long ones and short ones. Um, elevator speeches, uh, but yeah, elevator speech short. Um, I, uh, knew I wanted to do something challenging. Um, I did chemical engineering, but I knew that wasn't going to be enough. And, um, you know, it was very challenging. It taught me how to think. And then, uh, you know, I always wanted to help people, which kind of sounds naive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of meandered around changing as, as, you know, my talents dictate to now I'm an author writing about something that I think can help people way more than just um treating them one at a time and that's trying to get the word out about vitamin D.
0: So let's just start out because I think a lot of people don't know what is
1: vitamin D. Because it's right. it's not even actually a vitamin. No. No. It's um it's actually a hormone and that's kind of You know, you start talking to your doctor and I I kind of bash doctors a little bit just because of the frustration that by healing people, you could do so much more. But anyway, um, vitamin D, if you talk to your doctor, they are not going to know it's typically not going to even know it's a hormone. And, you know, that kind of should give you some pause when you're talking to them and they're trying to act as an expert to you about what vitamin D is and. You know, um, it it works on your immune system, it works on your metabolism, it works on your sleep, it does all these other things. And so when they say vitamins don't help you, they're really not talking about vitamin D because it's not even a vitamin.
0: So what dose and blood plasma levels of vitamin D3 do you recommend and how does that differ from like what the
1: average doctor or nutritionist would say? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm kind of the outlier as it were and... You know, I mean, kind of along with the motto of your show, my whole point is I want people to be, have freedom, have, you know, the ability to have some control over their life. And right now, if you're only going to see a doctor, uh, I'm meandering, I can see, um, then, you know, really your whole healthcare is dependent on them. But with vitamin D, because of all the things it can do, it, um, It it gives you that freedom. It gives you the ability to prevent getting ill so that you can live a more independent life.
0: And so why did you come to like this dose that like when I talked to one of my friends? Oh, I'm sorry. I I
1: didn't answer your question. Um, That's okay. Go ahead. Um, Yeah, well, I came to experimenting with different patients and myself initially. You know, I knew I was ill. I was really, really ill and I was dying and I needed to do something, and so I started um, experimenting with different things, and I came across vitamin D3, and I was like, wow, okay. You know, I read some good things about it, but I didn't know much. I started experimenting, went to a talk. This doctor used um, what is considered um, by most people, I guess, the regular dose, 10,000 units a day, because that gets you to 50 nanograms per ml, okay, and that sounds like a lot, but if you think about it, 40,000 IU's is one milligram, okay? So when you look at it that perspective, it's a lot less. So anyway, 10,000 gets you to 50. And that's where all the good stuff starts really coming in, where it starts really affecting your sleep, your immune system, and, um, you know, your ability to lose weight. And that's kind of another interesting side to it. But anyway, so I finally, you know, did the 10,000, started out with 20,000 like she recommended for eight weeks, went to 10,000, and myself and my patients found that our effects tapered off. And so then I went to um, back up to 20,000 on everybody because there everybody seemed to have pretty good effects. I experimented with 30,000 on myself, found it worked even better, and stuck with 30,000 units a day. Now that gets you to a blood level of hundred to approximately 140, 150 nanograms per mL. And there's two ways of measuring it. One is nanograms per mL and the other is millimoles per liter. And the millimoles per liter is two and a half times as much. And so I know this is all kind of confusing because you're like all these different units. But sometimes when people talk to you about units, they're talking about one or the other and try to get them always to say the units because, you know, um, it can sound a lot scarier than it is. But anyway... So that's the the reason I came to to those doses, and and what I found was, you know, everybody's talking about vitamin D toxicity, and if you take too much, you'll get hypercalcemia. Now, first of all, no one has ever died from taking too much vitamin D supplement, okay? Even in industrial accidents, some people have accidentally taken like a million units a day, (laughs) and, you know, obviously, they didn't do well, and they ended up uh, fully recovering in the hospital once they stopped that dose, so... The, the toxic dose is approximately 300 to 400, probably closer to 400 nanograms per ml, or 750 to 1,000 millimoles per liter. So, you know, you've got a lot of leeway there. And there are some people that have a genetic defect uh, in the CYP24A1 gene. And just to say that to sound smart. But the, the bottom line is it's very rare. Usually you're diagnosed at birth if you have it. And what happens is you get high calcium levels at lower doses. Now, in people that have not been diagnosed before and have been accidentally found, as it were, because they started taking supplements, typically it's around 10,000 units that they start getting the hypercalcemia. And so what what you need to look for if you're like, oh, my God, well, if I start taking it, how do I know? Well, you're going to get bone pain. You're going to get nausea. You're going to get vomiting. You're going to feel brain fog. You know, eventually you end up with kidney stones. So it's not like you're not going to notice that, hey, all of a sudden I'm feeling horrible. Now, one thing I do have to say, I'm not giving medical advice. You know, try to work with your doctor. Find one that's open-minded because, again, I don't want to bash them too much, but most of them know very, very little about vitamin D. And so you need to educate yourself so that when you go in there, you know, they don't intimidate you or scare you because so often my patients, I tell them, they go to their other doctor and they go, Oh my God, he's going to kill you. And uh, no, my point is to try to make it so that with, if you get this optimal dose of vitamin D, and that's what I found people got the best sleep, lost the most weight, boost their immune system the most. And not a single one, and this is thousands, thousands of patients ever got hypercalcemia. I'll take a breath there.
0: No, that's, that's fine. Like. I, and I think it's interesting that your your recommended dose is so much higher than even a lot of doctors that i've heard that are kind of open to the whole vitamin d thing i've i've heard people spout you know everything from the in the r d a of eight hundred uh, right. IUs, i which you might as well not bother in my opinion uh you know exactly. up to like five thousand uh, maybe, and they start like getting really cringy about saying ten thousand and and yep. what I've noticed yep. from your book and other stuff that i've read that like You can take 5,000 IUs a day, and for most people, it won't move their blood serum levels. So you're you're consuming it, but it's not elevating the blood levels, right? So, I mean, is that part, at least, of why you're like, you know, here's the government's recommendation? I feel like this about most government recommendations. That's nice. And and if it happens to match what I think, then I'll care, right? right? If it doesn't, then I'm going to follow science. So, like, is it mainly because you have to push the serum levels, like, I think we have this like pharmaceutical mindset from all of the advertising and marketing that like right. if I take the thing then I'm good. Which right. with no understanding that like and, and I guess it would vary too. Like if there's a person is really fat, most of the vitamin D goes in their fat, they might need way more than someone who's already got pretty good levels and they're thin and healthy.
1: Right. Now the the, 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 the thing is it's kinda like if you start an exercise program, you haven't been exercising. Now most people when they start Thinking about vitamin D now, they're going to be, you know, a little bit older. It's probably been decades since they had a normal level. Hmm. And because of that, they're like, imagine not exercising for 20 years. Okay, you're going to be really out of shape. So as you start, you know, taking this vitamin D, your body starts ramping itself up, starts, you know, getting used to using again. And so as you're taking more, you're using more. It's building up the intracellular enzymes to use it. And so that's why it it doesn't build up as fast. And once you, you know, and I think it takes six weeks, maybe eight weeks, depending on the person to get to where they're fully using it all, you're using it. It's not sitting around there. Now I think your body can store anywhere between a half a million to a million units of vitamin D. And so it is going to be sitting there, I guess being stored there, but Almost everything you take is being used, and, I mean, it It, it operates in so many different uh, areas of your body and so many different enzymes that um, the thing is, like you say, you're talking about somebody that's overweight, and that's the, the issue I have is like, oh, my God, well, you know, if I'm overweight and take it, I've got all this stored. Won't it all just rush out and harm me? Yeah. And you know, I haven't, I haven't seen that. I, and I've had some people, I've, you know, it's like I talked about in my book, one lady, I think she was 350 or 450 pounds. I don't remember. And she lost 200 pounds over two years. And her level always just sat right in there, you know, in between about the hundred to 140 range. And, um, you know, she kind of had to jar me out of my stupor to realize that she'd lost 200 pounds. But, um, cause that wasn't what I was looking for, but. No, just because you're overweight, and and that's kind of the weird thing too is, um, like certain, uh, like treating people with pain medicine, just because they're big and and huge didn't mean that they necessarily used more or less than somebody that was small and thin, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure exactly why that is. Um, I think it probably has something to do with their liver and just their enzymes in general, but their size won't won't reflect that. In a way that there's something I could find at least or see that said, hey, this guy uh, is going to use or this woman's going to use a lot more than this other person. I just I didn't see that, which was, you know, kind of what you was supposedly with a fat soluble vitamin, you know, something soluble in the fat. You would see that because basically vitamin D is formed from cholesterol. It's a pro- cholesterol precursor. That's kind of why it's a hormone, because most hormones are built off of um, or a lot of them are off cholesterol. And so, um, you know, um, because it's supposedly fat soluble, think people would think that it would be, you know, you could potentially uh, get too much of it because of other vi- fat soluble vitamins like vitamin A or K2 or E. But uh, and, and you can, but it's really, really, really a lot harder. I mean, there's like a handful of case reports uh, in the scientific literature that show that somebody uh, overtook uh, took too much vitamin D.
0: Yeah, I'm not so much on the, took too much, just on the effects on the, I guess, the base level. So, like, a few few years ago, I decided, like, I got to get myself in better shape. D3 was part of it, nowhere near the levels you recommend. I was taking, like, 5,000 IUs a day um, along with K2, and I went into a ketogenic lifestyle. I lost 65 pounds, and my vitamin D levels never went up until after I lost the weight. And then they went up to like, you know, and they were low. I don't remember what, but they were low enough that my, uh, my chiropractor that I worked with on supplements was like, yeah, this is way too low for a guy your age. And uh, right. they went up to around 55, 60. And then when I found right. your book and, and COVID, which is okay, it's not optimal. But then when, right. when, when COVID came around and I was researching everything I could for my audience, I found your book and I went up to 30,000 IU's. um, and so the last test I had was around like 110, which, of what? course, a normal doctor's going, oh, my God, you're going to die. And I'm like, no, that's, that's that's precisely what I want. And I imagine, you know, be, be, being a guy with my genetics in North Texas, it might go a little higher in the summer. I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, but right. it didn't actually, even with the supplemental amount, didn't actually come up until after the weight came off. So I don't know that it's like a skinny person needs to take less, but like a fat person might need to take more or needs right. to lose the weight. That's kind of where I'm going with it.
1: Yeah, no, no. And, and there's there's not any problem with that. I mean, it's like I used to tell my patients, everybody, you know your body better than anybody else. You know, you've got to work with your doctor ideally to see, because I mean there's some people that can take 10000 and, that I've learned later, none of my patients ever had this, so I wasn't yeah. aware of it. But they, you know, hit like ninety, a hundred, with ten thousand, and uh, you know, they didn't have any issues with any enzymes or uh, as far as uh, developing hypercalcemia. Um, but you know, they hit it a much lower. So the, the most, the more important number is I use thirty thousand because that's what it took in my population and and a lot of other people to get to the 100 to 140, but the, the blood plasma level is the more important because, you know, that's when you start seeing, I, um, the optimal magic as it were.
0: And I think people should probably know that maybe don't, um, you're, you practice medicine in, I think Laredo, Texas, right? So it's not like yeah. you're in like Nome, Alaska or something, right? You know, where your winters right. are all dark. Like this is a place where if anybody thought you wouldn't have a vitamin D deficiency, it would be, you know, Texas. Cause I don't know if you look out the door, but it's usually things are like hobbit, hobbits are throwing rings over fences to burn them and stuff. Like, it's, but we still, like, it gets hot, so we all go inside. We don't walk around naked like we evolved. So, yeah. so we have, a, a, to me, a, a, a huge, like, I would call, like, the real pandemic is vitamin D deficiency in the Western uh, world and, and elsewhere yeah. as well. But can you tell yeah. people, because I think people don't, you know, like, people trust government, and I think that's dumb, but they do right and I think if you're going to at least take something government tells you and say, okay, this is valid, and you should know where they got it, did they pull it out of their ass, did somebody make a best guess, how old is the recommendation, where did the safe levels and adequate levels of D in the blood serum level come from as far as government and pharmaceutical?
1: Well, the 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 I, I document in my book, and there was an article where they came and they did the studies, and they realized that it was safe, up to at least 300 nanograms per ml. Okay. But in order to be careful, okay, in order to be careful, they put it at a hundred. And so basically they blocked everybody out of all the beneficial effects because see, they were working on the mindset of this. There's a disease in children that is very rare. It's coming back now because of lack of vitamin D. Uh, and we'll get all into that in a second, all the benefits of it. But, um, they, um, they were with a mindset of trying to treat rickets, okay, this childhood disease, which is due to calcium deficiency. And the thing is, it's just super rare. People just don't really get it. Uh, and you only need a very, very small amount of vitamin D in order to um, prevent rickets. And so they didn't understand that all these other benefits of vitamin D required a higher dose because the rickets Um, The vitamin D for that, the active form, comes through the kidneys. Well, all the really beneficial effects are intracellular in all the other cells in the body. And so they missed it.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, they missed it. And the thing is, too, and I've heard different stories and different conspiracy things that, you know, uh, people were getting too well. And they needed a way to fill up hospitals, you know? I mean, if, if you think about it, if, uh, you're not getting the flu, you're not getting cancer, you're not getting overweight. I mean, you know, when I went to medical school, I was like, you know, every day on the news, this is in the, uh, in the eighties, early eighties, every day in the news, there was, you know, some major advance in science, some major advance, how we conquered some new thing. Yet I looked around me and people were getting fatter and fatter and sicker and sicker. And I was like, man, there's something's just not mixing here. I mean, when I was a kid, you could eat a small hamburger and a small Coke and be satisfied. Now, my God, if somebody is carrying around a gallon jug of, you know, slushy punch and eating a quadruple hamburger, they're just not eating, you know? And, Mm -hmm. And I mean, doesn't that strike people as, I mean, the problem is, you know, people don't pay attention to the past. And then one of uh, the people, I, uh, architects that I had helped me build my home, he said that I was really into studying the past. He put, he put a quote up on my wall, study the, the past is prelude, study the past. And the problem is nobody studies the past. There's a great movie I love. It's called, uh, I want to say it's called Average Joe, but it's, uh, Basically, this guy gets transported into the future, and he's like an average person in our time. In the future, he turns up being the smartest person on earth.
0: Oh, idiocracy. 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 It's a cult following here. You're in good company.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. Good, good. I figured I might be. But, you know, that's my fear is, you know, they tell us to avoid salt. Okay, so you don't get any iodine. They tell you to avoid the sun. You don't get any vitamin D. They took boron out of all our food because uh, that was another one where people weren't going to the hospital enough and um, boron was really really helping them Um, our foods are grown on these mega farms you know I know you're not into agriculture that was a joke Um, (laughs) uh, but um, you know we get this food that's healthy that's nutritious and it's a lifeless blob on our plate because it has no magnesium it has no um, boron, it may have been grown over in the Central Valley, which is one of the highest pollution rates, so you know it's in a day with lead, and then the soils, in some areas, is loaded with arsenic. Most people don't know that. I mean, some of the highest levels of arsenic now, it's a little bit different than created in a chemical process, so it's not as, as, as bad as that uh form, but it's still something you don't want to be ingesting. Okay? So um you know it's almost as if they're 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 trying to kill us and vitamin d to me is our way and a couple other nutrients magnesium boron omega 3s vitamin c iodine uh, to get our bodies back and our, our our health back the the problem i have is it's a little bit complicated you know and I, I know i'm harping a little bit probably too much on the toxicity thing but i know that's what people are going to get banged with when they go to their doctor the doctor's go oh my god you know, he's telling you that he's going to try to kill you. And I'm not giving you medical advice. So, you know, if you do this, do it on your own, you know, get a doctor to help you. And I tell people, go find an open minded doctor, you know, I mean, and um, frankly, chiropractors, uh for the most part, are the most open minded about this because, I mean, they realize a couple of things. One is, you know, the doctors are the king of the jungle right now. But that jungle is is slowly going away because they don't realize people are waking up and they want something to prevent them from having to have surgery, prevent them from having to be basically in bondage to to pharmaceuticals. And really, you're headed right now to bondage. In pharmaceuticals for the rest of your life. When it's going to happen, I don't know, but I pretty much can guarantee you that almost everybody listening to this is going to end up if they don't start waking up and take care of their health, starting getting a little.
0: No, hungry. I, I, I kind of pre, pre-pumped this show today in my morning video segment, and I said that basically we've deluded ourselves to believing that we're a healthy country because yeah. we have clean running water and climate control, and people yeah. eat enough calories to not die of mal, you know malnutrition is not the word, starvation, I guess would be the word. Um, so yeah. we've deluded ourselves to believing that we're healthy. We're not healthy. We're not healthy no. at all. And we're no. now at a point where in any major city, there's almost as many dialysis uh, centers on street corners as there is like maybe the, the sixth or seventh most popular fast food restaurant. Like, So right. if you have that many dialysis uh, clinics due to mostly type 2 diabetes from obesity, you're not healthy. And, and any no. – any assertion to the contrary is, is is effing retarded. It just is. Like, no, we're not healthy, and we're not – there's no case that can be made for that. And I think a big part – I think the two biggest factors are vitamin D deficiency and diet. Yep. And if we fix those two, like – I don't think it's a stress to say that, like, the pharmaceutical industry is not on board with that. Uh, the no. medical industry – and I don't mean doctors per se because doctors are trained – to a degree, they're taught yeah. and trained both, yeah. and I think they want to do well. But they're following their training, they're following their guidelines. They live in fear of losing a license, um, yeah. what have you. But the industry itself, the people that make, you know, like not the miners, but the people that make the picks and shovels, do not want this. And a lot, a lot of the the, the big money that owns and controls these pharmaceuticals owns and controls the food industry. So you yeah. have the 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 fox fattening up the chicken so it can't run away and can be, can be eaten. That's how the yep. whole thing feels to me. And oh, uh,
1: You're right. You're right. I
0: mean it, it, the more the more research you do, the more you understand why well, they say not to do your own research. Because when you if you if you want to make a scientific argument for this, it's effing easy, right? If you yep. want to make a scientific argument against it, it's hard. So you make you make like appeal to authority fallacies, right? You make special pleading fallacies. That's how all yeah. of this stuff is guarded and protected by media. You have media and social media like interns silencing licensed MDs that have, that have practiced medicine for 20 years now. And yeah. you can't get a scientific debate. I threw out – here's here's one for you. Last year, when the whole thing went nuts with hydroxychloroquine, I know that's kind of divergent from the subject, but there were two assertions made It didn't work. And that it was right. dangerous to take. And I made a challenge. Right. Have any initials after you name you want. Agreed upon third-party monitor. I, with two pages of handwritten notes, will debate anybody. I'll give you double my time on your time, right, on your responses. And you can have two assistants that use the Internet during the debate. And I got exactly zero takers. Zero takers. Yeah. And what I said is if oh, I yeah. put if I put a similar challenge out, to the mixed martial arts community, saying mixed martial arts was BS, I would have had my ass kicked by Friday twice. Right? It would have, it yeah. would have it would have been like, all right, I would have heard a ding dong on the door, open the door, and got punched in the head. But all yeah. these PhDs, MDs, et cetera, DScs, nobody would take it because you can't make the scientific countercase. And I think with D, right. you can't make the scientific countercase. This this concept that the government kind of did their job and said about 300. Right? And then said, well, we yeah. don't really know, so what they pulled out of their ass was to divide by three. Well, that'll work. Like, no idea why three. Right? right? It just, eh, you know, no one will die from an overdose. They didn't even know what it was when they did that. They still yeah, exactly. were calling it a vitamin. They didn't even know it was a
1: hormone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's. you know, I started writing a book on food and, and such, and I got to where I just, like, gave up because there's so much... Crap in there that's harming us, okay?
0: Yeah.
1: And the lack of vitamin D, and and vitamin D is the key, okay? Jack, here's why, and here's why, and and I'm so happy I'm on here because hopefully it'll help some people. But vitamin D controls your appetite, Mm -hmm. okay? It controls your appetite. So what do bears do in the winter? They hibernate before they pig out. Why? The angle of the sun goes down, okay? It's not only. But the cycles of the food are also based on that and such that they gain weight. They, you know, over the winter and then when this, they go without food because if you build up the fat, you'll survive the winter. Sure. If you don't build up the fat, you won't. Well, basically we're in an endless winter. I mean, that's all we're in is winter. Nobody else goes out. I mean, I lived in Laredo, as you said. I don't live there now, but I used to live there and practice there. And you would think as much sun as we got, we're one of the sunniest places in the country. We hit uh, we've hit 100 degrees every month, I think, except for January. Okay, and I mean, it's crazy warm and everything, but people avoid the sun. And if you don't get the sun and you'd be surprised how much makeup has sunscreen and how we've been so conditioned, we wear so much clothes that even if you're in a sunny place, yes, you get more. I mean. Okay, look at it this way. In the winter, what do you eat? You have uh, Thanksgiving meal, Christmas, mm-hmm. and New Year's. I mean, you pig out, baby. Well, why don't you have that in the summer? You go, well, we have you know Fourth of July. Yeah, you eat a fair amount there, but not like you eat on Christmas or New Year's or or Thanksgiving. And the reason you is certainly you certainly don't can't... eat
0: the level of starches, right? No. Like you know, people mm-hmm. go out and need to eat freaking steaks. Or ribs, right? They're not eating like giant fats exactly. of stew or Thanksgiving huge amounts of stuffing. They're they're yep. eating more of a vegetable meat based diet, which is I think is more
1: human. Yeah, I think of, uh, I think a brisket is kind of my epitome of Fourth mm. uh, of July. Yeah, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't tell me where you live; you got some great brisket. Anyway, um, the point is that vitamin D controls your appetite, and so when your vitamin D level is low you absolutely crave the, the most caloric-rich food you can get, basically fat rolled in sugar, okay? And so what that does is that over time causes your gut to give out all those bacteria and, and microorganisms without the vitamin D that can't function right. And then eating this diet of basically garbage uh, is, is poisons your gut it throws the balance of the microbes out of balance. You basically start leaking poop into your arteries, into your tissues, okay? And so what that does is ends up causing atherosclerosis. That's why your cholesterol goes up, because cholesterol, ask a doctor what cholesterol is. Hey, doc, what's a, what's cholesterol? Oh, it's bad. Okay, yeah, well, okay, great, I got that. Why is it bad? No, it's bad. You know, I mean, emphasizes stronger and stronger. I did this with a, a uh, really well-known and, uh, and very good uh, vascular or cardiothoracic surgeon in my town. And he never could explain to me what cholesterol was, which I knew he couldn't because what it is is basically it heals. It's a patch onto the damaged artery areas of your arteries. And after it's been damaged and damaged and damaged and damaged, what finally happens is you form calcium over the top of it to try to prevent any more irritation. Okay. And, um, Anyway, um, so you're leaking all this crap into your system. You end up developing uh, metabolic syndrome, okay? Type two diabetes, metabolic syndrome. Then you're you're dependent on insulin. You end up with your kidney dialysis, like you're talking about, and you know you you just spin down the toilet basically. Your health does, and so that's why you've got to have vitamin D. So you're not trying to eat all this garbage all the time and end up uh, uh, in bondage to pharmaceuticals.
0: So are there things that we should take with vitamin D, like cofactors, like other substances that we are either deficient in or that specifically work with D to to get better action in the body?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, I'll get to K2 in a second because that's kind of a little trickier, but... The, the, the really, the, a couple that are really, really important is one magnesium, because it's super deficient in all our diets, okay? And, uh, if you know what Valium is, you know, uh, it's a, a medicine, uh, angi- what they call an angiolytic, something that helps you get relaxed, to stay relaxed. And, um, and basically magnesium is your body's Valium. It also helps prevent arrhythmias. It helps prevent seizures. It helps kind of stabilizes your mood. It helps you to get to sleep. Okay, so magnesium is super important. It also is important to absorbing vitamin D. It's also important to tons of other enzymatic processes in your body that help keep you, quote unquote, healthy. So I really, really, really recommend magnesium. That's super important. And what I tell people to do is take as much as you can tolerate. Now, if you have kidney problems or something, eh, you probably shouldn't be doing that. But otherwise, and now if you take too much, what happens? Typically, you get diarrhea. Okay, so don't do that. Uh, but you know, usually 400, 800. I had some people take 2,000. Now the problem is, once a lot of times, if you don't have enough vitamin D, you get a lot of uh, uh, intestinal issues. You get uh, either uh, constipation or diarrhea, or you get small bowel overgrowth. Um, you get a lot of different problems, and so it's sometimes hard to get that magnesium balance because some, when people are alternating between, you know, diarrhea and uh constipation and they won't change their diet you know what i'm saying because they're still you know and, and uh, look i eat i eat some crap uh i'm not you know yule gibbons eating uh you know the pine bench because i only eat healthy things yule gibbons was a guy from my age that used to teach you how you could eat everything in the wild um, famous guy at the time anyway the point is i'm not perfect but i think if you cut out most of this you know, and the whole thing about cutting the starches way down, cutting the sugars way down, or eliminating it completely. You know, what I'm saying, um, as far as it goes, I'm not an expert on the keto diet or anything, but I what I do know is that by taking vitamin D, just this one aspect, and and we get some other aspects in a second. But just as far as the metabolism diet, I think will and show there's tons of, of evidence out there showing it gets rid of not only type two diabetes. But it prevents type one diabetes, which happened to run in my family.
0: Now let's let's hit K two a little bit there. I take K two. Okay, yes, sir. No, that's fine. I take I take K two along with D three. I take it separately because I found all of the, based on my research, all of the combined product seem to have about twice as much K two as you probably should be taking. Um, Yeah. So, I. I take about half. I don't remember exactly what it is, but whatever the standard five thousand IU, and I think it's like two hundred mg or whatever it is is, 2 I cut that in half, and that's 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 actually convenient because most K2 comes in a, a dose that a single dose is half that value. Uh, so I take ten thousand milligrams or ten thousand IU's of vitamin D3, three times mm-hmm. three doses three times a day, and I take a single K2 with it. I also found that when we started doing this, my wife started having some mild arrhythmia. And in my research, I found that some people seem to, when they start taking that much K2, experience that. Now, it's all anecdotal. I'm not aware of any studies that, that say this, but it was from another book I read by the author and like collective intelligence from his audience saying, yes, I did. And it was the MK4 and MK7 variants. And I think it's the MK4 is what I take because it's just easier for both of us to take the same thing that when people went to that, it went away. And again, anecdotal yeah. only. And like you, who you just said with magnesium could throw a wrench into that. Cause those magnesium levels were coming up at the same time. But when we yeah. switched to the MK four only, which is hard to find and more expensive, that went away for her. So like, what is your stance on K two? I know when you, when you wrote your book, it's long enough ago now that there wasn't
1: a lot out about it yet. Right. Exactly. And a lot, I've gotten some criticism that, Oh my God, you don't talk about K two. Well, there's another doctor that's well known, um, Dr. Kombra, who mm. uses high dose vitamin D to treat autoimmune diseases. Okay, and what he he doesn't use vitamin K2 at all. Doesn't recommend it, and uses much higher. Uses a thousand units per kilogram is his dose.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, so if you're 100 kilograms, 225, 220 pounds, you're going to be taking 100,000 units a day, and he doesn't recommend it at all. Now the vitamin K. Seven, from my understanding, is the type that's, that's, uh, artificial and mm-hmm. it has the most problems with it. Okay. The K4 is the more natural type. And, um, I recommend it only with people with osteoarthritis. Uh, the K, well, I recommend, it, yeah, let me rephrase that. Most of us are already ill. Most of us have tons of calcium in our body. Okay. And so we're having to try to get rid of that. And I think the vitamin K2, the NK4 type, I think is fabulous for helping to prevent uh, osteoporosis, help reverse it. Okay, now half of my patients got rid of their osteoporosis just with the vitamin D, hmm. the magnesium. And oh, just to digress a second, without enough um, um, what is without enough magnesium, you're going to be more prone to arrhythmias. And I used to, when I treated patients after cardiac surgery, I would give them magnesium, and it would prevent the arrhythmias. So magnesium actually prevents cardiac arrhythmias. And a third of people die from a cardiac arrhythmia. So it's important to make sure you have enough. But the vitamin K7 type can cause arrhythmias, can cause palpitations. Same thing, basically, in people. uh, I I
0: feel pretty good about my recommendation to the MK4 then, because I've been recommending that for about a year. Now, to one thing I will say about... uh, Dr. Cumbra, and there's another doctor doing similar research. And a dude, I'm going to probably say his name wrong, but I I believe his name is Diego Henriquez or something like that, wrote a book citing those two doctors. And the one thing I'll say with those really high doses, they're also severely limiting dietary calcium, right? Exactly. So so either you can limit the calcium or, and correct me if I'm wrong because I am a layman, but my understanding is that, what the K2 really does is so vitamin D is going to let loose a certain amount of, of of calcium into the blood, and the K2 is really good at putting it back into the bones, right? So, like, that's that's the reason yes. to pair those two up. Um, and I guess if you're getting enough K, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, we were talking about, like, the optimal dose being, for most people, 30,000 I use. I guess where you're right. starting matters, too. So, like, my chiropractor that I work with on a lot of this stuff, he's big on blood tests. So, i right never seen him recommend a supplement to a person without a baseline blood test. What are we starting with? He did freak. Right. He, even he freaked a little bit when I'm like, 30,000 I use, but he's like, what? You know? <laughs> but actually you guys sound like you share notes or something with a lot of the discussion right. here. It's it's
1: pretty cool. Um, yeah. So the dose is, I never got to the dose. I mean to yeah. get off of it. But the dose is for the vitamin K4. There's a Japanese study, I believe it was Japanese, where they used Um, uh, 45 milligrams because the dose typically is micrograms. And, and what I do is to get to this. So in case I forget to talk about later is basically your gut produces vitamin K2. Okay. So it's not like it, you don't get any. Okay. You also get some in your diet, like with eggs and different things. If you're eating a keto diet, you know, and you have eggs in there and such, you're probably getting enough K2. And so that's why I'm not huge advocate for it now. Gotcha cut down on calcium, but 100 micrograms of the vitamin K7 type. I think the K7 works better for atherosclerosis to reverse it, and the vitamin K4 is better for osteoporosis. And I've seen many people now reverse their osteoporosis that the vitamin D alone didn't by adding the vitamin K2, the 45 milligrams, not micrograms.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I'm taking – I just looked up the – the one I use and I'm taking a hundred micrograms with each 10,000 and the yeah. standard pair up is 200 to each, uh, five, 200 to each 5,000. So that would make it 200. Uh, it was just some yeah. research I did and it seems to work well and my levels are yeah. great, you know? Um, let's turn to like the thing that's been destroying lives for the past year. Uh, uh yeah. It's not it's not COVID nineteen that's been destroying lives for the past year. It's the government's response. And inadequate, right. inept, and completely contrary to science response. How does how does D three fit in with um, either mitigation or prevention of COVID
1: nineteen?
0: Um, yeah, I, I get deplatformed by Apple right now. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I basically think it would it would totally reverse this whole thing and prevent it. I think influenza would go away. I mean, look, there's some people with genetic issues that no matter what the hell you do for them, you're not going to help them. OK, I'm sorry. It, nothing is perfect for everybody. But vitamin D will basically get it where I mean, when do you get the flu, you get the flu in the winter. OK, there's 200 different types of viruses that cause the flu. OK, yeah. flu like symptoms Two of them are coronaviruses. Well, guess what? COVID's a coronavirus. It's well, not there's the no.
0: Didn't you get the memo on this? There is no flu anymore. Flu yeah. does not exist in 2021. Oh, yeah. There's no flu. Yeah. It's yeah. all COVID.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I mean, they're they're. I mean, they're paying like thirty two thousand to intubate, uh, to ventilate somebody, and ten thousand for the diagnosis, or so. I mean, yeah. I, I I don't know. I just. I, I It really, really, really is a concern to me because, like you say, nobody's getting uh, the um, the flu anymore. Now it's all COVID. But anyway, the bottom line is see, COVID's an encapsulated organism. Vitamin D produces a class of uh, proteins called defensins that kill encapsulated organisms. Hmm. So if you don't have enough vitamin D, you can't kill encapsulated organisms. So if you avoid the sun, it's winter. When do most people get the flu, get COVID, get sick? In the winter, okay, so vitamin D is your perfect protection. It also prevents uh, what's called acute respiratory distress syndrome. Where you know all of a sudden people just start croaking um, on the street, just walk all of a sudden somebody would walk along and fall dead. And the reason is because they don't have enough vitamin D. All their arteries and veins dilate. All their fluid goes to their tissues. They have no volume in their their blood their arteries, and they drop dead, so mm-hmm. and, and what happens is, see, vitamin D uh, is critical to a class of um, cells called uh, dendrites, and dendrites differentiate self from foreign, okay, and the reason you get autoimmune diseases, the reason that you get the flu and influenza is if you don't have enough vitamin D, you can't differentiate, you can't tell that you've got this foreign invader, and so you can't produce the the aspects of your immune system, the antigens, you know, uh, to active for the active immune system to actively go after these viruses and kill them. And so, uh, the best way to make people susceptible to COVID and the flu and everything is to tell them not to take enough vitamin D and the best way to prevent it and keep them safe is to give them vitamin D. So, yeah, vitamin D would basically, in my humble opinion, wipe out the flu, COVID, everything, if you took the optimal doses.
0: Yeah, I just listened to a, a piece by a doctor named Ryan Cole, and he was talking okay. about D3 and its role in, in prevention of and mitigation of COVID. And he said, you know, if, you're, if your D levels are, you know, mid to high level, you're not going to, even if you get sick, you are not yeah. going to end up going into cytokine storm. With right. with covid. And if you don't go in a right. cytokine storm with covid, like, you know, of the people who are going to die, there's a ni- not 99 overall, because that's everybody. But like if you're in the group yeah. of people that might die and you don't go in a cytokine storm, then there's like another 99 percent that you wouldn't die. And that basically, even if we had people get sick or whatever, we wouldn't have people dying if they had just adequate, let alone optimum D levels. And right. he, he was talking about how and I think this is why D probably helps with allergies, too. That Like, D is like the commander hormone. It, it directs the immune – it directs a lot of things, but also directs the immune system. So let's say, like, right. an army invaded a town, and I'm the opposing army. Now I've got to shell that town, even though it's a friendly town. Well, I want to figure out what buildings have the enemy in it. I want to shell the enemy until it's ready to surrender, and then I want to stop, right? And Sadiq Storm's yeah. like, you cut loose the artillery, and then the commander goes on break. And then the freaking artillery just keeps, you know, no one stops it. And that's what cytokine storm is. So that seems to be like a host of autoimmune type things because allergies are autoimmune. A ton of things that we think of as being, you know, chronic diseases or weird diseases we can't put the name for. They're all related to inflammation and and, uh, autoimmunity. And uh, like I've always said like, and this was the missing link. This is why I got so jazzed when I found your book, like, Our bodies didn't just one day after hundreds of thousands of years of walking around, you know, without these problems going, you know what we should do? We should start attacking ourselves. Like, and so you get in a deficiency, you get a deficiency of the commander that says, okay, guys, stop, and you get all these problems, whether they're, somewhat mild like oh i got chronic allergies which the person has them doesn't think it's mild but compared to like dying with blood clots in your lungs of covid it it is or covid or cytokine storms during cancer treatment etc like all of this seems related to me
1: yeah you're absolutely correct and it all comes down to those cells those dendritic cells because cytokine storm is basically think about um autism Think about uh, irritable gut syndromes. Think about, like you hit it on the nail, autoimmune diseases. As you hit it on the nail, think about allergies. That's all your body not being able to use the active immune system effectively because dendritic cells. I use this. I'm writing a blog post on it right now about um, your, you know, gut problems. Um, I'll finish it at some point. But um, what happens is dendritic cells are like the barcode readers, so they basically tell you what's in your gut. What's in your body? What is you and what is not you? They differentiate self from foreign. And you're absolutely right. It's like if you don't have enough vitamin D, you don't have smart munitions. You have dumb munitions. And basically the commander's on break and says, just sell, shell the shit out of those guys. Who cares? Um, we, you know, Some of our guys are in there. We know that. But, you know, but unfortunately you hit them with radioactive stuff. They bring it back to your own guys. And now mm-hmm. you start polluting more and more and more of your environment because you basically tried to kill it in a half-ass, halfway, random way that ends up um, affecting the whole rest of the body. You know what I'm saying? And that's why, you know, um, and you talked about it from the very beginning. Basically the basic key is nutrition, 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 and vitamin D. Okay. And if you get good nutrition, you get enough magnesium, you get enough boron, you get enough K2. And the thing is, you can get enough vitamin D in your diet. And the people, the, uh, the, uh, really that, well, they call them Eskimos, but the, um, Inuit. The people that live up Inuit, uh-huh. the Inuit, I mean, they're going through a huge, huge crisis. And I wish I could reach out to them because what happens was they stop taking their, their foods okay and now they have a huge depression problem which is what we have we have a huge mental health crisis and a lot of that comes back and i know i'm jumping around but comes back to your whole thing about not having an immune system that's effective you end up with either autism or you know schizophrenia lots of mental health diseases start there's strong evidence shows they start as a child, because of infections, mm. okay, because you're not able, you, your, your body, cause, okay, let's take autism. What happens? Your body all of a sudden has these huge, high, crazy fevers, okay? Well, you know, as a, as an infant, yeah, you're, you're getting the vasodilation, you're getting the cytochrome storm type of effect, but you're able to tolerate it because you're, uh, you know, your physiology is amazing because you're a baby, you're growing and you have all this, these extra cells and energy, but, the problem is, um, you try to kill these these cells that are attacking you, the virus or whatever it is, by jacking your temperature up. And in my opinion, what happens is it burns out parts of your brain, mm. uh, as far as that goes. So the dendritic cells can differentiate that. They can tell you, you know, that's why people get type one uh, diabetes. Um, it's another instance where the active immune system is is something's attacking it. It's close enough to what is you, that you can't differentiate it, and you end up attacking your your islet cells in your pancreas, causing type 1 diabetes, at the same time um, trying to fight off whatever this infection is, this virus that's affecting you. So yeah, dendritic cells are absolutely key, but dendritic cells don't work unless you give them enough vitamin D3.
0: How do you feel about the current research or lack thereof into the role that, that vitamin D plays in our lives.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's clear. I mean, basically, if I was in the pharmaceutical industry and I absolutely did not want my reign to end, and, I mean, and keep on doing what I'm doing, I would make sure that any research was done was horrible, okay? <laughs> and that's basically, I mean, they call it drive-by research, where it's basically... I mean, there's studies out there where they'll find a group that takes, let's say, lots of of um, uh, cod liver oil, which has toxic. If you get to get higher levels of vitamin D, you need toxic levels, essentially vitamin A, okay, which will increase your mortality six to sixteen percent. There's a big study out there. Yeah. Nobody it anymore, but they, they create those kind of things. Um, it's it's not it's only back that to hydroxychloroquine.
0: Study, hydroxychloroquine, where they take late stage patients, give them you know, eight times the safe dose at end stage of the disease and say, Oh, look, it kills people. Like, well, no shit. You gave them freaking two grams a day when you should be giving them, you know, 200 milligrams, like, um, in the early stage of the disease with zinc. It's, they do the same shit over and over again. It's a, it's a common pattern. So I, I see this trick there. So we make sure they're, they have toxic levels of a, and then we blame the D is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. and, and and the thing is, look, we're being dumbed down and dumbed down and dumbed down. Okay, uh, and without the the vitamin D, you don't sleep well. Okay, well how how well do you function with chronic sleep? And people are like, oh, I have to wake up to go pee at night. Okay, hell no, you don't have to wake up to go pee at night. Do you have congestive heart failure? No. <laughs> well, you know, all my buddies wake up to pee at night. That must be normal. It, it's it's not normal. It's a lack of vitamin D. Now, other other things. Sure. But if you're not eating healthy, you're not getting enough protein, you know, uh, back to your nutrition thing. And, and I mean, I'm not an expert on that, um, but, you know, you need enough proteins and you need enough of all these other substances. And if the food you're eating is deficient in it and you're not getting enough vitamin D, your 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 brain is not going to function well. And you're not going to be able to remember the things you need to do and know. And at some point, we're going to be an idiocracy. And, you
0: know, <laughs> are are uh, you sure and at I some think. point and we're not already there?
1: Well, I'm, I I'm, mean,
0: optimistic. I'm trying to be optimistic. I, I understand. But if you take a walk outside in the sun and watch people walking alone in the woods with a mask on, you're like, man, Brondo's getting put on the crops next. They're, yeah. they're that's the, the, what plants create. But how long have you been doing this? Like, prescribing these incredibly dangerous, high level doses of vitamin D and not seeing people fall over and, and have their liver turn into a calcium brick? Uh,
1: since 2010.
0: It's a while. It's 11 years. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. A pretty good yeah. track record. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, it. Uh, um, the weight loss, the restoring your health. I mean, you know, some people it, it does more effectively than others. You know, everybody's different. You know, some people can use lower doses. And I figured once it got out in the world and people started using it, that you would find that, you know, there would be other reactions. People would have other, you know, not necessarily have the same effect as everybody in the group that I treated. You know what I'm saying? And that's come to be true. That's why you got to measure your levels. And you got to make sure that um, you know you're, you're smart about what you're doing, and not just take a bunch and and, uh, and uh, ignoring changes that occur when you're taking it.
0: I was only ever able to find one study, and it was a, it's not a study because that it, it was on um, trying to think of the the site where PubMed where they publish all the studies, okay. but it can't be a study because one yeah. guy, so one guy does not a study make, but it was a right. person that had some. Uh, toxicity as far as calcium accumulation in his organs. And it turned right. out, and I'm wondering if he was somehow connected to your work or even might be the one mentioned in your book, because what it turned out was he thought he was taking 30,000 IUs a day. He was taking 60. He had doubled the yeah. dose. And, and even yeah. with that, like he started to have some issues, took him off it, issues gone. No permanent damage. Yeah. Like So even in that yeah. case, it wasn't it wasn't like, oh, he took sixty thousand, I used, and he healed over,
1: right? And he was right. a fairly I old
0: mean, man too, if I remember right.
1: Yeah, I, I think I know your you're talking. I think what happened with that guy is well, there's a couple like that, but one, I think the guy had a defect in his enzyme that's CYP, mm. you know, twenty four A one, not both, both alleles, both copies, completely damaged, but damaged enough that by taking sixty thousand, he was having issues. But I mean. He started having issues and didn't, you know, he finally saw a doctor, but it's, it's not like, hey, you know, I started this about a month ago, and all of a sudden now I'm not feeling so good. Maybe they're connected, you know. Um I mean, that's the thing is you got to be, and, and that's part of my idiocracy concern is, you know, you got to be aware. I mean, if you're going to do something, and some people are going to take this and not check with the doctor and stuff, and I understand that. I can't, that's up to you. I make my recommendation you do what you you have to do, but you know, if you start feeling worse or something, something's not good going on. You shouldn't feel, you know, worse before you feel better with vitamin D. Yeah, maybe you'll get a little constipation. And I've only seen that twice where I think it kills all the bad mojo in your intestines and basically locks you up. But with enough calcium, with enough magnesium, that passes uh, as far as that goes.
0: Well, and I'll just say for the obstinate that don't want to, you know, consult with a doctor. Who can't find one? Vitamin D testing can be done in the safety of your own home, and it's very inexpensive. And if you're taking elevated doses, you might want to keep an eye on it. You know, twice a year or something like that. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. working with yeah. my practitioner, I get blood tests uh, every six months to, to look right. at my nutrient levels. So I that's that's taken care of. But when I was doing research on this, I found that it's like fifty bucks, and they send you a thing, and you prick your finger, and you send the blood in, and then you know, two weeks later, you log in, and there's your results. So yeah, uh, you know, it's yeah. it's not like it's hard. It's not like it's complicated. It's not expensive. Gee, why do they yeah. hate it so much? So you've been doing this for a long time. I'm sure you have some resources people can uh, take advantage of online where they can learn more about you, your work, get your book, which everybody should read. I have three books that I recommend on vitamin D, and I recommend that they're read in order. And one is by the the gentleman you referenced. I can't think of his name again now. The Spanish um, yeah. gentleman. Yeah, yeah, he writes about him. That's not actually the author. That's the third one I recommend. And then there's one by like this insane guy that does all kinds of crazy shit to himself named Jeff T. Bowles. That's the second. And I recommend everybody in my audience start that reading with your book because if you read those other two books without the foundational knowledge, it's like a prerequisite in a course, right, without the foundational knowledge you're going to get from your book, what those people are saying is going to sound absolutely fundamentally insane but if you yeah. have the foundational knowledge you know how to apply it or you know how to find a doctor cuz what I what I saw in that final book was wow anybody with MS needs to you know, just break any door down until they find a doctor to work with them on this so for people starting their journey what what do you have available
1: well there's um uh, there's my blog, vitamindblog.com, where I'm constantly talking about newer and other aspects of, of vitamin D3. And, uh, um, as, as far as that goes, there's also, um, another, uh, link. It's called vitamin D wiki. Okay. And, um, it's got tons of articles. It's got lots of uh, site. Um, you can go and and you can get there from my site, by the, the my website, because on there's my blog. But you can also get Vitamin D Wiki, and it has uh, references for tests and things like that. That's you know that uh, uh, Dr. Henry Lahore has uh, spent his lifetime collecting all the different studies and such on Vitamin D3. And my site is more trying to interpret those studies and tell you what they mean and how to apply them to yourself. That's kind of my my. point in this whole thing and then of course my book and it comes in audio uh, it comes in uh, the Kindle reader and um, a a couple other uh, hardcover uh, as far as that goes but that's pretty much all I've got out there right now.
0: I'll make sure that there's links to all that in the show notes and when you were talking about the Inuit um, I threw in like is there basically query Google about vitamin D levels in seal blubber and it was like yeah, that's where they got it all before we screwed it up for them. And the article was yes. on vitamindwiki.com. That's an incredible resource. So thanks for mentioning it as well. I'll make sure, again, sure. there's links to your blog. I think I have your Twitter account, um, your book, all that good stuff in the show notes today. And, and, and dude, thanks for being on the show. The fact that you cited sure. Idiocracy probably more than anybody on this show other than me is going to make you a, a, a just a favorite with the audience. And uh I, I really, really appreciate you being with us today, Dr. Sure. Dr. Somerville. I hope,
1: this, I hope this works for you.
0: It, it absolutely does. Again, I appreciate you and the work that you've done. Yeah. And uh, I, I think you've, you're have you going to help a lot of people today's interview. I just want you to know I've been talking about your book since I found it in April last year. And I've gotten wow. feedback. You have already helped a ton of people in this audience who have who've started down that path. So I appreciate you for what thank you've you. done
1: and for taking time to be with us today. Sure, sure. Thank you so much, Jack. And thank Dorothy for me, please. I will. All right. Take care.
0: All right. That'll work. I'm going to have lunch, and I'll get it edited together. It's, what, 1 o'clock now? It'll be live by 3. Let me just say I highly recommend Dr. Somerville's book, if that wasn't abundantly obvious. And I also highly recommend that if you're going to do this, that you get your D levels tested before you begin and, you know, six months after you begin, and if you're going to maintain a high dose, that you do testing regularly. And you don't get afraid if it says, you know, 120. Like, Dr. Somerville's number is somewhere between 100 to 150, kind of being optimum. Remember, 300 is the real threshold, right? But they just divided it by three. But I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea because I also think it helps you if you can't find a doctor that's really, really, really switched on. And you can go in and say, there's my levels. But those are it's 110 and ah! you go, okay, well, did you know? And at least you can have a rational conversation then if your doctor is able to have rational conversations because unlike uh, Dr. Somerville, it seems like a lot of doctors today don't like rational conversations. They don't like being challenged. They don't like being presented with facts. They just want to be abated as an authority. And this is a huge, huge problem in our society today. This this embracing of fallacy. Dr. Somerville so many times mentioned idiocracy. When you get to a point where you believe someone because of who they are, in direct conflict with science, data, and fact, and you actually think the person who pursues science, data, and fact, is the one that's crazy, well, like I said, when you see somebody triple masking, walking alone in the woods, all you can say is, Do you got, dude, you in fact, that's, that's my new thing. If I see somebody walking alone in the woods with a mask on, I'm going to ask them if they have any brando. I really am. You think I'm kidding? No, I'm not. With that, let's wrap things up. And uh, let me remind you, if you'd like to show them the work that we do, you can help us out by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. Say it with me, tspaz.com. Say it with me, tspaz.com. Don't ever forget it. It is the place that you go when you are going to buy something online because you know it helps us even though you buy what you're going to buy anyway or you find out about really cool things that you wouldn't know about otherwise that all pass my price-to-value ratio formula. See, this is my thing. I want the best thing for the money in any class. I want the most longevity out of it, but I'm not the guy that's going to go out and buy a diamond-studded gold thing even if it is really, really good if it's not really a place where diamond studs and gold is called for. And as much as I lose them, I would never buy a diamond studded or golden tape measure. No. I buy tape measures from a company called Comelon, and that's K-O-M-E-L-O-N. And it's because they were the first to come out. Now there's some other varieties that do it, but they were the first, and they're very affordable, to have like a self-locking tape measure. When you see this the first time, you wonder how we made tape measures for over 100 years the way that we've made tape measures for a 100 years. Such a simple change. Normal tape measure, like a Stanley or something. Good tape measure. You pull the tape out, push the button down to lock it. Seems to make sense. Coleman, pull the tape out, it locks. Push the button to retract it. Why did we not always do this? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense when you think about it. Have you ever pulled out a tape measurement like, you know, i, I I'm really glad that when I pulled it out, it just came back in because I didn't lock it. I mean, come on. Like, have you ever, like, pulled out, uh, like, a foot of tape and locked it and realized, oh, I'm going to need a little more than that, and been like, gee, I'm so glad I have to push the button again? With the Coleman, you just keep pulling. And when you want to retract, then you retract. They're, they're a great price. You can get a two-pack of 12-footers uh, for about 15 bucks, so seven fifty a piece. And they also come in 16 foot and 25. I've standardized on 12-footers. And 25-footers. 25-footers are for the longer measuring jobs, etc. 12-footers do everything else. Um, they're nice and compact. I, I, I don't see much utility for kind of a mid-sized tape. And I also wanted these things to be cheap. They have to be cheap. Good and cheap. Why? I don't know about you guys, but there's three things that I lose more than anything else that I own. Markers, specifically like Sharpie markers, nail clippers, And tape measures. And I'm talking like you're in your shop. You have the tape measure in your hand. You measure a board. You mark it with a Sharpie marker. And you don't leave. You're in the same room. You haven't left. Okay, maybe you took a sip of a beer. And you look around like a fart in the wind. It is gone. I'll tell you what I think it is. Gnomes. Yep, supernatural gnomes. They steal these things. They steal tape measures, markers, and nail clippers. They probably steal big pens, too. Anything that's a to gnomes. So what I do is I buy extras of my short ones, and I lock one in a drawer where the gnomes can't get it. And my big one that I only use on occasion, I keep it in the pantry in a place that the gnomes don't know about. And if they do disappear... I don't have to, like, sell a kidney to replace them, and I have yet to break one. And I have to say this. They're affordable, have a better feature, and every other tape measure I've ever bought, even expensive good ones, eventually break, and they usually break when you pull them a little too far out, and then they pff, the, they just won't retract. I've not broken one of these yet. So better, less likely to break, cheaper. Yeah, that's the Spearco formula for value-to-price ratio Coleman tape measures. And if you were on the Telegram channel, you'd already know about it. They're not going to sell out, though, but sometimes things do. So get on the Telegram channel, get on the Daily Mail, follow us on social media. With that, let's wrap things up with the song of the day. We're bringing back an old band, the Steve Miller Band. Much like the other songs this week, this song is about making a choice. It's about making a choice to live in the world that's been placed in front of you. A world that's pretty dark. A world that's pretty dystopian. A world that's absolutely controlled. Or to make a choice to live in a world where you're causing things to happen, that you're proactive versus reactive, that you are in charge of your own life. And in living your life the way that you're supposed to, you actually make the world a little bit better. You make the world turn around just a little bit. Because if you do it for one person, it's a monumental, it's absolutely a monumental achievement. And every one of you can do it. Well, that sounds like it was written for today. Now, this is a little bit later on the timeline for the Steve Miller Band, having been so huge in the early 70s, right? I mean, this sort is from of mid 80s. I guess from like 86. Um, so a little bit later in their career, but that's a long time ago. Boy, it kind of fits the world we live in today to a T, doesn't it? Great music tends to, instead of fading out, become more true over time, just like great literature, great poetry, etc. With that, it's been Jack Spierka with another edition of the Survival Podcast.